guest you had? Um, does anyone speak English? Uh, I'm sorry. This is Elijah Park. Please, I need your help. The FBI doesn't have jurisdiction to investigate in Colombia. So is there anything I can do? The best thing you can do to help us is just wait by your phone. Say hi, Mommy. Hi, Junebug. I'm not giving up on my mom. There's got to be a way to find her. And welcome back to the Cinematic World Podcast, everyone. My name is Dwayne, and today we have a very special interview for you guys today here on the podcast. Before we get into the interview, though, I am joined by guests from the Cinematic World team, the Box Office Report Show. We have Larry. Larry, hello. How are you? Hello. Doing well. Doing well. Excited for today. It's very good to have you here for this very special interview. Today we are joined by the co-writer of the story for Missing, producer for Missing, also the producer for Searching, Run, all of those movies. We are joined again here on the podcast by Sev Ohanian. Sev, welcome back to the show. I say welcome back because we, you and I have sort of a long history. Sev, how are you? How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thank you for having me, guys. It's it's good to be back, especially chatting with you, Dwayne. We do have that history. <laughs> so I was we were talking before we started recording here about how uh Sev was actually my very first interview on the podcast, on this podcast, everyone. So it's if if you're if you're new here, you probably don't know that. If you've been here since the beginning, you probably do know that. All the way back on August 29th, 2018, I had the interview uh, with Sev. We were talking about searching. I was telling. Mm-hmm. We were talking about how it's like my favorite movie of the year, and it was a it was a crazy time. But fast forward, how long was that? Five years ago. Fast mm-hmm. forward five years, and we are here with your release of Missing. It did really well last week. I remember I was talking to Larry. Uh, Larry and I do a box office show, and we were talking about how. Um, we were talking about how like my theater was completely crowded for the movie. And it was very nice to see that because that just shows that you, that your team just has really, really good faith with the audience when it comes to the screen life format and these kind of suspense thrillers. So I wanted to get your, your general thoughts on just all of that happening right now, like the release of missing. How's that all been as far as the reception goes for you? Yeah, man, it's been amazing because you know, we work on, I mean, any movie, but but these movies in particular, because of the whole computer screen aspect, we tend to spend years editing the film. So I think on this one, it was two plus years of, of our team working in slight, you know, small tight quarters, mm-hmm. just continuing to iterate and edit the movie. So now that the movie's out, it's been honestly incredible to be able to like sneak into movie theaters and see people react to the film and and just see online people kind of collectively losing their minds after watching the movie. I mean, you can't ask for a better end result, honestly. That's it's really, really good to hear that, too. And it's like it's a long journey for you guys, because I remember when I spoke to you a while ago, I mean, I I just remember how you were talking about what the like the process of going in to the uh, to the movie and kind of setting it all up and getting it ready and getting it edited and all that. So it's really, 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 really nice to see you guys come such a long, long way and stuff. Mm -hmm. So. 
Um, the movie was great. I saw it last weekend. Um, I had a really good time with it. Larry and I did the review for the movie. We had a really, really good time with it. So I'll kick some more to kind of get some get some of the questions started here. I'll start with you, Larry, as far as anything to, to uh, ask Seth here. Yeah, so you also have started up a, I believe it's a production company, Proximity Media. Mm -hmm. Uh, How did that come about after obviously producing Searching and several other films uh, leading up to the start of Proximity? Yeah, totally. So I I did find, I started a production company called Proximity Media with my fellow founders, Ryan Kugler and Zinzi Kugler. And it actually was happening around the time we were releasing Searching. So, so to go even more back, Ryan Coogler and I, so, you know, Ryan, he's, he directed Black Panther. He just directed Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Creed. Mm-hmm. He and I went to USC film school around the same time. And when he was getting ready to make his first movie, a movie called Fruitvale Station, he actually gave me a call and asked if I would want to come and help produce it. He, um, he was looking to bring on some, like, younger people, um, kind of like who would be like his producing team, like his, who would kind of have his back creatively. And he had heard some, he had heard some good things about me. So I love that project. I love the script. I went up to Oakland. We shot Fruitvale together. It was a very small indie film. After that, you know, the movie did really well at Sundance and the Cannes Film Festival. Ryan went off to make Creed. And I think he tried to get me to help produce on Creed, but I don't think MGM or the people involved necessarily needed me. So I took that as my chance to go off and make a name for myself, producing a whole bunch of indie films. And all of that led to writing and producing Searching with my writing partner, Anish Chaganti, and my producing partner, Natalie Xavian, all of whom I also met at USC. So while we were working on Searching, Ryan was working on Black Panther, the, the first one. And, you know, I, I would give notes on the cut and stuff like that. But he gave me a call and was like, hey, man, like, let's make a company. And and I was really down. And, and it was amazing because, you know, we made Proximity Media. T- together, we made a movie called Judas and the Black Messiah that did really well. Yes. We were the producers on Space Jam. We have Creed mm-hmm. 3 coming out soon. We're, do- we're doing a couple of Marvel series, which is really exciting. But the craziest connection to all of this stuff, Dwayne and Larry, is when I got a call from Sony a few months after Searching had come out. And a reminder, Searching made for under a million dollars. It made mm-hmm. $75 million in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, with fairly slight marketing budget at that too sony called me saying we want to make a sequel and and at first they were they were generally wondering like is there any way we could bring back john cho and kind of do like a taken you know like a, someone goes yeah. <laughs> and, you know, i was i was immediately reluctant and 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 they were like well you know let us know what you think and i said i'll let you i'll get back to you guys and I honestly thank god you said that because <laughs> i know with certain certain sequels you just like because i because i don't know if you see i don't know if you've uh you've seen the the first sinister movie it's amazing i love it yeah. and then the, second, the second one comes out and it's like it doesn't really have the same kind of vision that the first team had so i'm really glad you guys kind of oh, stuck good. to your guns with that because oh, that first <laughs> yeah so that because that first searching is like so well done and if, if that would have continued it would have been like why is john joe missing another child it would have been kind of crazy that's exactly that's, that's really cool so here's yeah. the crazy part i i hang up the phone with sony in that moment and i was ready to roll my eyes and just be like there's no way that um you know there's no way we can do this and it would be kind of lame and it's going to feel like we're doing an obvious cash grab but I just so happened to be next to Ryan Coogler um, when I had got that call. And he was looking at me and saying, like, what are you smiling about? I was like, well, you know, Sony wants to make a sequel to Searching. I don't think we're going to do it. And he was immediately dead serious. And he said, dude, you guys got to make it. You know, he, he was a fan of the wow. first movie. 
And and the way he kind of put it was like, if anyone can make a sequel to that movie, it's got to be you guys. Essentially saying like, you guys have to do it because if you don't, someone else might. And that was kind of like interesting because, you know, obviously I trust Ryan immensely. And obviously I know he he knows what he's talking about. I called Natalie. I called, that's Natalie Kasabian. I called Anish and Ishaganti. And and they had the exact same initial reaction of like, no way, we can't do this. But I was like, guys, like Ryan thinks we should. And then we started ideating and we're like, well, wait, wait a minute. What if we kind of do a whole new story in the same universe and and find ways to connect it, but kind of make it its Mm -hmm. own thing? And then the only problem was like, who would direct it? Because, you know, Anish directed the heck out of Searching One, but he never wanted to do that again. And luckily I realized we did not have to look too far because we had the perfect directors in Will Merrick and Nick Johnson, who were the editors of Searching. Mm -hmm. So once they said they would do it, we knew we could make a good movie. I I love that story just because I I remember I interviewed uh, Anish and and Natalie for Run a few years ago when that was coming right. out and I was like man one thing I loved about this movie is that there are little Easter eggs about searching in the movie as far as just like if you're a fan of the movie like if you see certain actors you'd be like oh man that's from searching and the same thing kind of happens here and i was going into the movie so i just want to clarify to the listeners there's going to be light spoilers for missing um go check it out please you know it's it's been out for like about a week and some change now so go check it out but if you haven't seen it i highly recommend to kind of step away until you've seen it because i just want to bring a few things up regarding the movie but uh one of the first things i see is like i see all of these little kind of easter eggs about like from searching and it's not Mm -hmm. so heavy-handed it's not so heavy-handed to where it's like Oh, it's like, oh, look at John Cho in this one scene. It's nothing like that. It's like, I love the fact that in the movie, they made what, what happened today, too, in real life. They made the the, the the events that happened in Searching a Netflix series. And I was I was howling. I was like, that's exactly what would happen and stuff. And I loved all of that. I think you guys did. You guys brought in a, a podcaster who was in the first yes. in searching as well. And I, I caught that. I, I caught that. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, Larry will tell you. Like I was all over searching in 2018. Like I caught that. Then I was like, oh, I, I remember him from that movie. So kind of, I just want to kind of get your thoughts on the, what's the process in that? Like as far as what do you kind of do to get these movies kind of connected to where it's not so heavy-handed like what who decides like oh this would be kind of cute if we added this person into this shot or or you know little tab on the computer like how what's that process like yeah i mean look it was it was really important to us to make sure the movie could stand on its own so that if you've never seen searching you would almost be pleasantly surprised it's a sequel but we had to make sure we were still rewarding people who had seen Searching and w- wanted to get a little bit more richness out of it. So right. for us, like we realized that there was a lot of potential in what we call the news montage because both movies, Searching and Missing, there's a point in which the investigation kind of blows up and people on the news are commenting and people on social media are commenting. And we found that that was a great opportunity because one of the news reporters is the same from the first one. The podcast mm-hmm. guy you mentioned is the same guy. One of the TikTok sleuths, if you remember in this movie where yeah. they're like, oh, money was blah, blah, blah. Like, that's one of the guys that was on UCAST and searching. Abby, um, the, the friend from searching who was like, she was my best friend. She's the reporter now on this BuzzFeed S TikTok channel. So it was kind of like once <laughs> inspired of all things, bro, of Greek mythology. 
Because if yeah. you think about the great legends in Greek, like those great poems, like one of the things that kind of united them is that they all kind of had like these oracle figures, the fates or whatever, like the, the the people that would come up and sing in the chorus and rising as if they were kind of representing the voice of the of the of the place. So it was almost like that, like in this movie, like when things reach a certain boiling point, these people come back and start commenting on this. And obviously the opening was like, we kind of knew we wanted to start the movie with some kind of acknowledgement of searching and nothing, you know, the truth is by the way, this is kind of exclusive. Initially, our plan was that we would actually see John Cho and Michelle Law. Those are the actors playing David Kim and Margot Kim. We would be seeing them being interviewed, like in like a really dramatic like true crime documentary series. And it would be like, yeah, he'd be like, those are the worst days of my life. And Margot would be like, I can't believe my dad found me. And we thought that might be kind of cute. And also it was a chance to bring John Cho back and Michelle Law mm-hmm. back. But ultimately we kind of realized that, dang, that also spoils searching. <laughs> so we don't want to, we don't want to do that. Oh, and, for new viewers. Okay. Yeah, that makes exactly. sense. And Will and Nick were really adamant that we always had this idea that at the end of the movie, you would think that the movie became live action only to kind of fool you and make you realize you were still watching the now a recreation of, you know, June story. We were like, Will yeah. and Nick were like, well, that means the opening has to be a recreation also just to better land that more. So that's how we kind of ended up with that. Which I thought that was all great too, just because in the movie when that, I remember in the theater, people, I, I, I knew where you guys were going with that as far as like the whole kind of live action going into that at the ending. Uh, but people in my theater were like, oh, are you kidding me? I was like, guys, just wait. Just wait, guys. Yeah, yeah. And then eventually you guys, you know, you guys did the did the switch and like, you know, it was still June and all that stuff. I thought that was that was all really well done. Thank well, you, man. This one has already made its budget back. And the very first weekend, it already oversold its budget. And you're talking about how they instantly, obviously, wanted a sequel to Searching because of what a box office success it was. And now we have Missing being the success that it is. Would you be interested? Are we trying to, you know, expand this, you know, universe, this searching verse any further? (laughs) Or is it kind of up in the air or you're, you're done with these films at this point? That's a great question. Look, um, I'm, I, have not, I have no secrets from you guys. Sony has been asking us about Searching 3 for a while. Oh, wow. um, the last couple of weeks, I think they realized it's a great movie and it, clearly it's finding its audience. And, and again, it's no secret that these movies ultimately don't cost that much to make. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's a lot of upside to, to be had. Our team is not sure. It's not that we don't love making them. Obviously, we, you, you can tell we put so much love and passion into them. The truth is they're really hard to make. It's, it's, it sometimes feels deceptively hard. I think people who might see the trailer be like, oh, like they made that on a weekend. But they are essentially full-blown Pixar animated movies that we make for a dime. And beyond that, I, I can't help but feel like there is probably somewhat of a ceiling to how much move, money a movie like this can make or a ceiling as to how much people may want to run and see them in theaters. Mm-hmm. So I think I can be honest in telling you guys, I do have an idea for Searching 3. We kind of jokingly call it searching me inside of our inside of our team, but imagine the E is like a backwards three. Uh, oh, we have this hey, Megan, Megan's in here. Oh, <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Uh, so we have an idea for that, and uh, I don't know if we're going to make it. I think you know we have our next movie that we're about to go to market with in a few weeks. That this is the big one, the one that we've been waiting to make for literally ten years, even before searching. And we kind of knew we had to make a couple of other movies successfully first. But, you know, maybe someday in the future we might return to it, you know, maybe especially once technology has evolved enough that it might once again look brand new. Yeah. 
Um, I guess I guess one thing that I, I have a question regarding that as far as how taxing it could be to make these kind of movies. Like, what's the process? Like, how does these movies kind of start? Because I I mean, I can imagine, obviously, it starts off with an idea, then it starts off with a story. But really, how, what are the first steps to kind of, the you know, like the first things you guys do with the computer and the editing are, are, are like, because I'm really interested to see like how a script is made for something like this. So I just wanted yeah. to get your thoughts on just like the general first steps it goes into making like a screen life kind of film. That's such a great question. Um, it's really, it's really the funnest aspect of it. It was such a great creative prompt for us. You know, I remember it was Anish, Natalie, and myself sitting in my office with a big whiteboard on the wall and being like, okay, make a sequel to searching. How do we do this? Mm-hmm. And I remember, I remember writing on the board, there was a couple of core tenets of what a searching movie should be. It had to be about a family. It had to have a, a theme of connection or disconnection. And it had to have twists and turns. Um, and for us, it was always important to have inclusion, you know, like searching being about a Korean American family, this one being about a black American family. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, it was wide open. It could be anything. I, I did have like very quickly in my mind, the idea of doing a child searching for a parent and also the international factor. Mm-hmm. And also the factor that this time the victim's account is not what we're going through, but rather the main suspect's account. Like I just, in my mind, just purely based on the logic of contrast, like, cause you know, ultimately the movies are going to always be about somebody looking for a missing family member using technology. So just inherently we were almost already going to be making the same movie again so every chance we could go left where the original one went right we did so by making it about a kid you now suddenly have a very different perspective on the technology um by instead of going through the victim's accounts you can go through the suspect's accounts which is you know grace's boyfriend you know kevin who's played by ken long then we the idea that it's international this time it kind of felt like the stakes were so much higher because this time it's not like June can go walking on the streets. Like the only lifeline she has to her mom is her computer. And, and even, even more like with the idea with searching, the sidekick character was this celebrated, experienced police detective who had all the resources of finding a missing person at her disposal. That's obviously Deborah Messing's character, Detective Vic. So for this one, by virtue of contrast, we gave June a sidekick who has no experience zero resources, you know, and it's just kind of like a lovable guy who's a retired guy who does, is not even that highly rated on TaskRabbit. Oh, so just yeah. that alone gave us already a beautiful place to start the story. And then it was really, I'm, I'm, I'll be honest with you guys, Anish and I wrote the story for, for Missing. We ended up turning in a 30-page outline. And it was hard because we just kept finding ourselves feeling like, dang, we really did it really well on searching. You know, like all of the act breaks, like, okay, the all is lost moment in searching is like, how are we going to beat that and missing? And how are we going to beat the same revelations? Mm-hmm. And I remember finally having a, like a eureka moment, which is like accepting that this can just be a remix of searching. That in yeah. searching, you open with this tragic, beautiful family story about, about a mom being lost to cancer. And then what happens to the two that remain? And missing, we have a similar thing that happens, but this time the victim, the mom who died from cancer is a, is a father who died from some kind of cancer, except this time he's the bad guy. So it was like this weird thing of like, okay, if we remix some of these elements in searching, David plants a couple of security cameras and then try to, tries to confront his brother, you know, and, and, but in confronting his brother, he finds out that his brother had nothing to do with the case. And David is more responsible than he ever thought for his daughter's disappearance. And missing, instead of planting security cameras, she gets a smartwatch with a camera. 
But instead of confronting the person she's trying to confront, she finds that person dead. So just by this idea of remixing Ooh, these that like, scene, oh man, that scene yeah, like good. it just. <laughs> It was exactly that. It was just us coming up with beat after beat. We knew that people would be really expecting a major plot twist at the at, at the end of Act Two of this movie, like how we did on the end of Act Two of Searching, when you find out that you know Vic was the bad guy. So this time we're like, why don't we hit them with the even bigger plot twist in the midpoint? The idea that Mom isn't even in Columbia at all, and even all of that was a fake. That was like great. No one's gonna see that coming. And it also helped us answer the question of how do we get stakes up for the main character? Because for the longest time, we kept planning that the midpoint would be the daughter, June, getting onto a plane and arriving in Columbia for the last half of the movie. But we just couldn't quite make that work. And when we realized, that, oh, my God, we could do this other plot twist. It, it was really just that what I call blue skies, just throwing everything at the wall. Then at the same time, because it's a computer movie, we also have to do the same thing with technology. Like, what are the bits of technology that we didn't explore with the first one? Like, I always love the idea of the computer being closed, like what that represents. Or the idea there's this incredible sequence in Missing where Will and Nick race the camera through Google Streets, and you could just feel this propulsion. Believe it or not, we actually had that in Searching, and we realized that it wasn't working, so we took it out. It was like, great, let's bring that back. Or the idea that in Searching, there used to be an early deleted scene where John would call um, one of the moms who, who he thinks is responsible for, who one of the moms who thinks uh, who he thinks might know where Margot is, but he mm -hmm. actually called Detective Vic without realizing it's Detective Vic. And he spoke to her and she was confused that she was calling him, that he was calling her. And um, we ended up cutting it for pacing, but we're like, oh, that's a great thing we can do with this one. We, let's have her call the bad guy, not realizing it's the bad guy, only for later when we find out it to be a haunting thing. So it was a lot of that, man. And then ultimately, once we have all these ideas, we then take them and try and form a really coherent and emotional story about a daughter and mother trying to reconnect. And if things if things supported that story, we put them in. And a lot of them didn't support it, so we didn't put it in. Wow. Well, you've talked about it in regards to Fruitvale Station. I believe you've also had several other films open there. And just this past, well, week, <laughs> I know you had a documentary opening up at Sundance with Steph Curry, underrated the Steph Curry documentary opening in 2023's festival. Mm -hmm. First, I'm noticing we've got Steph, we have Space Jam 2, LeBron. Are you a basketball <laughs> fan? I'm seeing some basketball trends here. But also, if you could just talk about kind of your connection with the Sundance Film Festival and uh, what that's been like throughout helping your career or anything else you have regarding your experiences there. Man, thank you. Yeah, I owe so much to Sundance. You know, I think as, as when I was coming up as a young filmmaker and, and student filmmaker, the dream would be to one day just go to the festival, let alone have a movie play there. And yeah, like the first movie I ever helped produce, which is Fruitvale Station, we had our premiere there and we won a bunch of awards and the movie got acquired. I think since Fruitvale, I've had a total of six movies or seven movies actually now at the festival. Um, it was like Fruitvale, um, had a movie called The Intervention, a movie called Results, Searching, of course, Judas premiere there. And then, yeah, this last week, I, I guess the sixth movie would be underrated. Um, it's amazing, man. I think when, when we made Searching, I think there was a lot of people that were a little bit dismissive of the film as, as far as the idea of the movie. So the fact that Sundance accepted it and then, you know, it gave us the audience award. We got the science award. I, I was given the producer award. Um, it kind of helped solidify and establish that this movie had something to say. And the sad thing is actually Sundance wanted to play Missing. Uh, and and we, we were going to do that at the festival this, this last week. But um, oh, wow. 
And then the studio pushed our release date earlier. Um, we were initially going to come out later this year. And then I think Sony saw that these two weekends were kind of open. And, at, and once that happened, we couldn't play at Sundance anymore. But yeah, I, I have nothing but immense respect for Sundance because I think um, it's just about one of the best qualifiers of like what's a good film and who are good filmmakers and, and to be counted amongst those strengths. I mean, that's a dream. Especially because like you see what happens, you, you kind of see what happens when you do like after, like, the, you know, life after Sundance, you know, Sundance usually is like you get some movies on there then a lot of studios contact these creators like you guys and they want to really go forward and stuff. I think it was, uh, but I do think it was smart for Sony to like, hey, listen, we got some open weekends. <laughs> Let's get this movie in some yeah. theaters. So. Um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I just, the whole kind of process that's been going on with you guys has been very, very Sundance nice now has follow. a best picture winner, Coda last year. Yeah, yeah exactly. Went on so, to win best picture. Right. So exactly. it's, it's really, really interesting how that all plays out. I just want to, I'll end the, uh, I'll end the interview here of just kind of getting your, I have two last questions, not really questions, but just kind of wrapping up things. I just wanted to get like, what's next for you now? Like what, what is the rest of 2023 kind of hold for you and the team and all of that? And uh, I, last week I was talking about after watching Missing, I was like, man, I got to go back and watch another Screen Life movie. I had already watched Searching last week before going to see Missing. So I went back and watched The Den. So I kind of want to get your, your okay. just what is your favorite Besides the search, besides searching and missing, like what is your other screen life kind of movies that you like to watch? So I'll end, I'll end it with with those two right there. Yeah, great question. So um, as far as what we're doing next, uh, Anish and I have been writing our next movie for the past three years, mm-hmm. and we just finished the script. <laughs> so Ooh, uh, we sent it out a few weeks ago. She gave us notes. We're about to send it out to a couple more people for feedback, but it's pretty much done. And this is a movie that we've been wanting to make for ten years. Wow. I can't wow. say much about it. It's not on a computer screen this time, but it's a high <laughs> screen. So like wow, if you're into like the intricate storytelling we do where everything pays off and like it's all very complex, but it kind of gets summed up in an easy way. We're applying all of that to a high genre film. And it's mm-hmm. fun because it's a heist movie that's set against the backdrop of US immigration. So Ooh. expect more news on that in a few months. And this is the big one. And then as far as my favorite screen thing. Um, I'm a big sucker for the short film that came out a very long time ago called Noah. It's N-O-A-H. It's like 15 minutes, I think. It was genuinely one of the earlier screen life uh, types of movies or or, or stories. It was a short film. But it had this really nice emotional bend to it that really makes it kind of stand out. It is explicit. There's some, there's some, a lot, there's some nudity in it on the last half. So just be mindful of that. But I really recommend you guys check it out. I'm sure it's on YouTube or Vimeo or somewhere like that. Yeah. Okay, and um, Larry, let's go to you. Any final kind of thoughts on this whole on this whole yeah. kind of thing itself? I just uh, thank you so much for talking with us, giving us insight onto these films because the the whole screen life subgenre has certainly had its films, but uh, we hear the process and how long it takes, and you understand why we only get maybe one a year, if that. Uh, they're pretty sparse, but when they do come out, they are so successful in comparison to the budget. You're kind of shocked that Hollywood isn't trying to oversaturate that market but it stayed pretty niche to this point at least i just did have one final question just because i think it's such a broad term and i wonder if a lot of film fans specifically wonder 
what that job is. Can you just explain, particularly on films where you're not necessarily a writer or on board with the story creation process, what is the role of a producer for folks? Yeah, for sure. It's a great question. And I think it's going to be something that's questioned forever. But the way I see it is a director's job, if you if you can just, you know, humor me, imagine a director is somebody who has a telescope glued to their eyes. They're forced mm. by the virtue of their job to be able to look at any one thing and be able to tell you in excruciating detail what the vision is, what the idea is, what the choices should be. And that's a hard job. Think of the producer as the person next to them who doesn't have the telescope on. That it's our job to help the director with what they're not seeing. Because by the virtue of how much they have to do, we're there to kind of help remind them of the bigger vision, of the bigger idea. And, you know, the way I see the job um, is I'm here to elevate. I'm here to uh, push any boulder up any hill that needs to be done. It's a lot of creativity for us. It's a lot of, um, you know, for example, when we were breaking the initial story for Searching 2 for Missing, it was Natalie Kasabian was in the room with us helping us come up with ideas. It's, you know, as a producer, you can be very creative. It's a lot of us giving notes, like 20, 30 page document of notes that we type to respond to a hundred page draft of a script that comes in, really challenging our writers to like find new ways to tell a story. Hey, this isn't quite working or, Hey, I think the audience is not going to appreciate this bit. Can we try and do something else? Um, it's really fighting to, to get the right cast. Um, really kind of pushing the studio that you guys got to pay more for this actor. She's worth it. Um, it's hiring obviously every crew member with the director and, and being there as, as the, as the, as another voice, as another authority in, in the making of something on set. Again, that example of, hey, Anish, like, I think you, you might have forgotten that in this moment, we need to be actually looking at this idea. Or like, hey, the performance we just saw, it was a great performance, but she's seeming really happy. And I think the story reminder, the story that you wrote or that we all decided to make, she needs to be a little bit more sad here. Can we get another take that's leaning in that direction? It's oftentimes pushing for, hey, can we get an alt version altogether in case this thing that we just shot doesn't read and we can't come back and reshoot it in six months and then and getting that all where only you know only half the time you need it but the, that time that you need it it's great to have it um it's an editing giving note after note after note on every cut on every sound on every it, you're, you're kind of like the first audience and you're very much the director's protector as well but i don't always necessarily see the producer's job as someone who's there to to blindly support the director's vision i think half the time the job calls for the producer if you're good at your job to actually challenge the director's vision and make sure that everything you're making is airtight and solid. Because I don't think any movie that has all yes people around it are going to make for necessarily good product. Um, it's convoluted. It's a lot. Obviously, unfortunately, over the past 50 years, producer credits have been given away willy-nilly to anybody who may not necessarily do the job. So it has kind of diffused it and made it confusing. But that's probably the way I would summarize it. I think that's a great sum- summarization. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, Seb, uh, Seb, I really, I really appreciate you joining us today and talking about some of your adventures here in Hollywood and just talking about uh, missing and searching and all that and what's coming up next for you. I really do appreciate it. I uh, just wanted to kind of give, uh, give you a chance to just uh, get some plugs in and just let everyone know where they can kind of follow you. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, I mean, I'm easy to find. I'm Seb Ohanian, S-E-V-O-H-A-N-I-A-N. Uh, just, you know, at Seb Ohanian on Instagram, Twitter, just about everywhere. And I'm so grateful, Dwayne. I, I I remember our first conversation a couple of years back. So if we ever make a Searching 3, I'm going to make sure you're the first person I talk to about it. 
Yes, sir. <laughs> Please, dude. Um, thank you again. And uh, Larry, let's let's get you on here as well as far as let everyone know the way they can follow you. Yeah, well, once again, thank you so much for sitting down and speaking with us. It was such a pleasure hearing all of your insight and getting to talk about this delightful new movie that's out in theaters now. You can find me over on YouTube at Chili Boy Productions and Instagram Chili Boy Productions and over on Twitter at Chili Boy YT. All right, everyone. Thank you guys for joining us. You can follow me on Twitter at Cinemaniac94. You can follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Cinemania World. Thank you guys for joining us. My name is Dwayne. That was Larry. And that is Sev Ohanian. Please go watch Missing. It is still in theaters. Enjoy it. Have a good time. And then watch Searching again, of course. Please. Thank you guys <laughs> for joining us. We'll talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye.